1: Welcome to your partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths. And today I welcome to the show Gerard Norman, who is going Gerard Norman, who is going to share with us why visibility is the new credibility, turning strangers into customers using video on social media. Now in his story is actually really fascinating. In May of two thousand twelve, he and his son were hit by an eighteen wheeler. That accident caused him to lose his job, it put his house into foreclosure, and he accumulated mounds of debt, as you can imagine. At that point in his life, he had been a single dad for about a year and a half. He had adopted his son's older brother and also filed for full custody of his son and won. But while out of work, he desperately looked for ways that would provide for his family and his growing family. And throughout his journey, he was introduced to the world of marketing on more than a few occasions. Then realized that he needed to take it seriously, that and sales. And we're going to talk about why sales are important. A lot of people don't want to think they're in sales. Trust me, we're all in sales. From our resume, to asking for the first date, we're in sales. So after going headfirst into sales, he realized that it was difficult to give things away for free. And it was not until attending a conference in Las Vegas that he met a woman, and she was selling the same exact product that he was, but she was using online marketing to do it. It did all of her selling for her. And she was making over $20,000 a month at that time, and she very kindly shared her marketing wisdom, which led Jarud to start his own successful marketing company. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you here.
0: Thank you very much Denise. I appreciate the introduction. How are you doing today?
1: I am lovely. <laughs> Why complain, right? There's no sense. There's no point. Have you ever come across people you'll ask them how they're doing and you know, I'm in the south, we just, oh, I'm well, thank you for asking you, and that's the end of it. We really don't want to know that you have a headache. We just don't know. We don't want to know. So, I always say I'm lovely. Um, or <laughs> if I'm being really Southern, I'll just say, I'm peachy. And there's two kinds of peachy. One is, hey, it's a good day. And the other one is, back off. Go to another parish. Leave me alone. But today I'm peachy. I'm good.
0: A good peachy. That's right. <laughs> right. So,
1: yes, awesome. absolutely. Awesome. So give, if you don't mind, share a little bit more about your story. Because, I mean, you're hit by an 18-wheeler. You've got adoptions going on. You've got all kinds of things. Then, you know, the debt, everybody knows if you've had any kind of medical incident, whatever it is, the debt can just about bankrupt you. How did you yeah. decide that, you, that social media and marketing and sales, how did you decide to go from whatever it was that you were doing before that to what you're doing now because that's got to be a story
0: yeah yeah well as far as like you said the story like what you told um in a nutshell that's it i mean of course there's a lot more to it but you know how did i get from doing what i was doing before so before i was in shipbuilding so aircraft carriers submarines um there's a place in newport news virginia called the uh newport new shipbuilding and they had an apprentice school and i was you know, able to get into that school. And they basically taught me the ship, build industry. I rose through the ranks, became a supervisor. Um, politics never did. I, I never did too well with politics. So there was just things. But to me, if I do a good job and I make sure my stuff's done right and I treat people with respect, to me, I thought that was it. And, you know, I, I learned that there's more to it than that. You have to make sure this person feels good and that person feels good. And they cared more about that than they did, you know, the work even though the work was more important, but in the moment, they always cared more about the politics version of it. So that didn't work out too well for me. Um, and even before the accident, um, I, you know, I got demoted at one shipyard for news. And then I realized that when I kept trying to get my job back, you know, and I don't say this to be brash, but, you know, compared to the other supervisors who were there, I know the guys who I was learning from that were good and they were teaching me, but the majority of those guys that were there, I felt like when it came to supervising and knowing my job, I felt like I was better than them because I know what kind of work I put in. So for them to still have their jobs and they couldn't do the type of things that I could do, they didn't have the same kind of qualifications. And so it was difficult to see that more people kept getting promoted and then I kind of got blacklisted. So I decided to go to another place and work for the government. And, you know, not bashing the government, but that place was horrible. So we'll just leave that can, at that. Yep.
1: yep, I agree with you. Listen, I could never, ever work in a bureaucratic situation. I'm, I'm like you. It's like you don't know anything. Why are you telling me what to do? I Seriously, you don't want yeah. me to play in your office. I don't play well with others, and I run with scissors, and it sounds like you do as well.
0: <laughs> I never heard of run with scissors.
1: Well, I guess that's oh, yeah. what they thought
0: I was doing, right? So over in the government yard, like I said, met good people, but it was worse than the situation I left. I did get promoted, um, but I realized I didn't want to get promoted any further than where I was because it would just cause me to change everything about me. Like integrity is what I I build my life on, and the integrity over there was out the window. And I just remember there was a bunch of different incidents that I won't go into. I just remember one day walking outside this huge building. I remember looking up at the sky and saying, I can't do this forever. And I already was trying to do side businesses, working a full-time job, but at that point, it was difficult having both kids. And I don't know how long it was from the moment that I had that moment, but um, I got hit by that truck not too long after that. And, you know, my, my prayers were answered. just wasn't in the way that I thought that they were at the moment, and, uh, but it led me on this journey. And how I got into marketing was the first thing I tried to do, I had surgery in December of 2012. I tried uh, real estate investing. You know, they get on the radio and, you know, rich dad, poor dad, and all those fellas say, come mm-hmm. to this event. So I right. went there and I was like, this is my plan. I'm going to do this and maybe I won't have to go back to work because I can't go now. So I showed up to the first event on crutches, straight out of surgery, trying to figure this out. Um, didn't really have a bunch of money. A friend, a good friend of mine, shout out to my buddy Greg, Scott, he, we went half on this program to learn how to wholesale properties. And as I was going through the material, a lot of it was based in learning how to market, um, which was foreign to me at the time. Um, But I ended up learning a lot about it. I decided that I wanted to try um, network marketing, and I won't go into detail in their company, but it was a really good uh, system, really good setup. And when I was in that company, imagine if you went to Walmart and bought something and they gave you money back. That's basically what this company helped you facilitate. So you just had to sell it for yourself. And that was the whole trying to give away something for free because I can give it to you for free. And that wasn't working. I just found myself hustling and running around from place to place with a messed up back and a messed up hip trying to get things going for the family. And eventually some guys who really understood internet marketing, digital marketing, came into the company. And those were the guys that blew up overnight um, because they said, hey, why are you going to run around talking to all these people, handing all these business cards where you can literally just. Find people who are already interested in a, something like what we're selling. Put your message in front of them. You'll have a way better chance of getting it done. And the lady that you spoke of, that I sat next to on the plane, she was at the conference that I went to in Las Vegas that these gentlemen put on, and they were already teaching us stuff when I was learning it. And then when I sat beside her, and she didn't care to talk to me, not because she was a rude person, but. She knew that her online marketing was doing all her heavy lifting, so to start random conversations on a plane, to, to make contacts, she wasn't into all that. And To me, I'm not really into that either. I'll talk to anyone, but I don't like starting random conversations with an agenda. And um, once I was on the way back and I saw that and saw the conference, I just said, you know what, I'm going all in. I'm going to learn this marketing thing um, because one of those guys told me when you learn how to do marketing, it'll build the engine to whatever car you want to drive. And that just always stuck with me, and and that's kind of been my push.
1: Well, and their point was that you, by doing it the way they were doing it, and apparently the way she was doing it, that you would automatically be tapping into what we call a warm market, people who are interested, they are looking, they're willing to listen to you, and, you know, they're probably smart enough to say you know it's a great thing it's just not for me right now but thank you for chatting with me but I'll be honest uh-huh. if you're trying to give away free things people it's, it's people don't have skin in the game when it's free They just don't. Unless there's a little bit of pain for them that they had to invest in something, they're probably going to say, oh, good idea. I'm going to look at this when I get a chance. But there's no urgency because they got it for free. That's always been my my attitude about it.
0: I agree. I wish I would have had you to tell me that when I was running the streets.
1: (laughs) Oh, I would have told you. It's like, no, it doesn't work.
0: I I was surrounded by good people, but I realized over time that, the circles of people that I've been around, I take good information. And then, you know, I decide to move into another circle where um, some more people can teach me some other things. And, you know, I just didn't have, well, I guess those guys told me about the marketing aspect, but you know, the whole free thing, um, all that trial and error running around trying to do that. Yeah. I wish I had Denise to tell me back then, Hey, stop doing that. Just sell the package. Don't, don't give it away for free. And uh, that would have I solved know. a lot of my problems.
1: But you don't know what you don't know. So, you know, all of this is a journey going through. And here's the thing, and you've done it, so you already know this, but our audience needs to understand that there are a lot of gurus. There's a lot of brilliant marketing people out there. There's great copywriters. There are people who just know how to find their market and speak directly to them. But you don't. And if you don't know, you're going to have to go through a lot of different study types, investment types, until you kind of figure out where you land in this arena and how you should be working in it. But you don't know what you don't know. So I'm telling the audience, don't beat yourself up. It's all a process. You have to figure it out as you go.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's part of the reason why, you know, I'm here, you know, with you and just where I am now, because I had to, for whatever reason, that lesson was meant to be learned a little bit harder than others. And whatever the lesson is, I'm I'm open for the challenge. And I feel like, like you said, there's so many different things that you can learn with marketing and what I've been looking to do over the past few years, um, you know, for clients, of course, you know, they don't have to know as much because, you know, I'm explaining things to them. But for people who want to do it on their own, um, trying to simplify the process because there's small things that I wish I would have knew that if I would have knew and that I teach people now, even if I didn't have a huge marketing budget, I could have been way more effective and um you know it's just something i get to pass on now so you know that's part of my mission because everybody's not a good fit for me to work with nowadays and i do want to help everyone so instead of saying well i can't help you well i do have this thing that can help you if this is the bracket that you fit so that i can provide a solution and if that doesn't provide a solution then i know tons of other great marketers from the communities that i've been in and for me it's not about you picking me as your marketer it's really about if you like Let's say, Denise, if you did marketing, if you like Denise better, and we do the same thing, that's fine. Just get just get help from someone who knows what they're doing. It doesn't have to be me. I'm fine with that.
1: Same here. I spend an awful lot of my time referring to to other people. I'm a web developer by trade. I own a small digital marketing agency. I podcast because I love it. And I get to meet people like you and our friend, Miha, who from all over the world, literally from all over the world. And the thing is, I spend and I started tracking how I'm spending my time because I'm curious, you know, am I actually being effective? Am I actually making life better for me and for people around me? And I spend an awful lot of time referring to other people, say, listen, and I just did it last week. I talked with a guy who is very, very wealthy. He's got a massive project. I was not a good fit for it. And I knew I wasn't a good fit for it. And I told him, I said, listen, you know, I can do this work, but the ramp up time for me to get good at it is unacceptable to both of us. So I'm going to pass. But what I will do is I will do my best to find somebody who would be a good fit. I put it out on Facebook, and I'm telling you, I got all kinds of suggestions. I could have taken this job. I would have hated myself, and he would have hated me too. So you have to really kind of pick your battles. Really, he would have. It would have been bad from start to finish.
0: That's a very good point. Um, knowing what, like you said, what's for you and what's not for you. It's really, you know, it also depends a lot on the systems and processes you have in place um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because if you have the right systems and processes in place, it still could not be a fit. Um, like you said, for you, it sounded like it was more of an integrity thing. You know that for the, for what he needed, you wouldn't be able to do it in the time frame, and you don't want to pass off crappy work. And that's kind of how I am. I'd rather, like you said, pass because it builds more trust. Um, especially if you put them with somebody who actually can do what needs to be done, then it just builds more trust. And then you become a person that they reach out to when they need something. And, you know, there's money in in connecting people as well. Not everybody Mm -hmm. wants a referral fee. I know if someone sends me work, i send spend money because I I want you to think of me. And and if you don't take it, I'll just send you something else, you
1: know? (laughs) Well, he said something very interesting, and I know you'll appreciate this. When we were talking and I was explaining that I could do it, probably very well eventually but he didn't have eventually he needed to get it done right away and he said you know i have to tell you i really appreciate you giving me a swift no rather than a slow maybe and i wrote that down it really stuck with me
0: i think that's really important being decisive um in in situations like that uh, because then it can drag and then you know even a slow maybe could you know now he's chasing you to do something and that's not good energy for him. That doesn't make you feel well, especially if you know that you don't really have the best setup or the desire to do it. Why not just stay and be on your way?
1: Exactly. So let's talk about the things that you are doing now because I've got a list of things that, that you wanted to share with us. One is using video to build no No like, and trust. Stop and think about that because I wrote it down as like, no, and trust, and I've always said no, like, and trust. Overcoming the fear of pressing record record. I can't talk today. Talking specifically to your target audience. We just kind of mentioned that. We're going to go over it more. What to say on video and delivering retargeting video ads based on prior engagement. Some of this, maybe all of it is probably a, what the heck is she talking about? To some of the audience. So so we're talking marketing. We're talking about online video marketing. So I am going to kind of shut down here, shut my mouth, because I can't talk. And I'm going to let you start explaining what people need to know.
0: No problem. No problem. So let's let's start at the top with, you know, using video to build the like, know, and trust. So to keep that fairly simple is right now, you know, there's a lot of people, of course, listening to this great podcast. Because they have businesses, and you guys come here to get some good feedback um, and and some tips that you can apply in your business, one of the biggest tips and my one of my mentors um first of all shout out to Miha because uh, Miha is who connected us I love that guy he's amazing, and if you guys haven't heard his episode, I am gonna plug him right now. He has an episode with Denise check that out but um one thing that my one of my other mentors, yeah Miha's the man love that guy, you know video um video is not an option anymore video i mean technically everything's an option right people say failure is not an option but it's it's the most readily available option Um, but video shouldn't be an option in your business anymore because when you get in front of people people do business with people right people do business with who they like so when they first see you they have to you know in milliseconds a lot of times they kind of decide do i like this person or not Um, once they start listening to what you say that can start the note, tr- the no process, right? Maybe it's one video, maybe it's two. Um, the trust process is when they're ready to spend money with you. So when people spend money with you, they're going through this process. I mean, there's probably other ways of kind of, you know, laying this, this journey out, but this is the basics, like one trust and people aren't going to typically buy from people they don't trust. Now, if it's a stick of gum, um, you know, you're not too much worried about going in a gas station. You don't trust the cashier. You'll buy it anyway. Right. But I'm just saying as far as you selling your products and services, the fastest way to go through that process isn't a picture. Because, like, Denise, you did a a mock-up of me that I shared on my social media, which is great. I love it, Um, you know, and it looks good. But if that was the first time someone was meeting me and seeing me, it doesn't give the same response as if I were talking directly to them. Because then, you know, they're looking in my eyes. They decide whether they like me based on my words, what I'm saying, and then we can build that trust process up. So this way to accelerate that process, because I feel like there's no way to skip it, especially if you're trying to advertise online. Um, so a lot of people aren't doing anything with video, and I think which leads into the second point was overcoming the fear of pressing the re- um, record button, because a lot of times people are like, all right, well, I know I need to do video. Let's say that you're there or well, you're not there, right, now you're there with me because that's what we're talking about, pressing that button and recording can be very scary. Um, I don't know how to break down that fear all the way because I had the same fear, but the situation I was in, which Denise and I talked about earlier without going through all the way through it, if video was what I needed to do in order to make my life easier, then I was going to do it. So uh, I didn't like the way I looked, didn't like the way I sounded, didn't like the way my camera, you know, it wasn't super clear. Um, sometimes my sound was off, which sound is the most important thing because if there's a lot of background audio, people aren't going to listen to that. But what I kept getting told by my mentors was what I had to say was important. It provided value. Um, whether it was me trying to sell my service or product or just offer value to people's lives straight up or in a combination of both. And, um, so I had to overcome that fear and just do it because of my survival situation. But for you, maybe you're not in that situation. Maybe you are in that situation, but maybe you're lying to yourself and saying that you're not. Um, maybe you're not in that situation and you want to just increase overall. you gotta, you got to press record, whether it's you for your business because you're the face of it or you have people in your business that will record the videos. But it's, it's really just a psychological thing. Because even now, like if I was in person with Denise right now, when we're having this conversation, the conversation really doesn't change if we're recording the video. Now, I know we're not doing that, Denise, but it really doesn't change. So it's really just about overcoming that mental block of being the same person you were once you hit the button. And something that usually helps people, and this is my tip for helping to overcome that fear, is try not to do it alone. So going back to that event that I told you guys about where I was in Vegas with the guys who taught me internet marketing, before I got on the plane with the lady, And that was kind of like the final straw for me to do this. I was there with a group of people that flew out there with me from Virginia. And when the guys was telling us to do video, I had, I think, like five friends with me that came from Virginia Beach. And we were all together. And we all had our selfie sticks. We all looked like idiots out there. And we're just walking around Vegas just making little videos based on what these guys told us. So for me, it didn't feel as awkward because I had other people there. Not to mention, even though I'm holding a selfie stick, my buddy Don was with me at the time. I could tap my buddy Don and he can be in the video with me and we can play off each other's energy. It's just when you have that phone or that camera just sitting there looking at you and you got to press the button and you feel like you're just talking into the phone, that's where the issues come in, you know. Um, So pairing up with someone else that can help you shoot the video is great. Maybe recording yourself having a conversation and just forgetting that the camera is there. Uh, But those are some of the tips that I usually start people out with when it comes to overcoming the fear of even pressing the button to get things started. So before Uh, I keep moving forward, go ahead. Yeah,
1: I have a question about that because, as you know, everybody who knows me knows this. I am incredibly camera phobic. There are no pictures of me on the Internet. There never will be. It's one of the major reasons (laughs) I started a podcast because – I can talk. I'm just not going to be on video or in front of a camera. I'll be honest with you. My former mother-in-law was in my home. This is how phobic I am about it. In my home. And she kept sneaking pictures of me with her new iPhone. And we both kept saying, please don't do that. And she finally took one picture too many. And she was grinning at me. She thought it was cute. And I very quietly, I didn't say a word. I walked over, picked up her phone, and dumped it in a pitcher of sweet iced tea. Then I got my car keys and I left. I'd had it. So none of those pictures, <laughs> the internet, obviously, but there are people like me, believe it or not, who do not want to be on camera for any reason, and they're not going to be on video. But you said something really important that maybe somebody on your team or in your office can do these videos maybe for you. How, how do you? How would you advise somebody like me who's – we have an entire Southern category for that. It's called That Ain't Happening, Hun. So what do you tell somebody like me?
0: Oh, that's that's good. So, like, with someone like you, let's just say you have some team members um, on your team already that are, you know, part of what you're already doing. What you do is you guys sit down together would be the easiest part because you have to get people to buy in. They may not, like for you, like you said, video is a no-go. You've built your brand on not doing video and not doing pictures, and that's perfectly fine, right? Um, but if you sit down with your team or do a Zoom with your team and talk about, hey, we need to come up with some content ideas to sell, X, and Y, Z product. Because the first thing it is, you still have to uh, get an understanding of what product or service you want to sell so that you can have the conversation. you got to understand what product or service you're selling, who you're selling it to. And what's the problems that they face that would make this the solution for them? So that's the first part. The second part is then once you understand that, is coming up with a fun, entertaining way to create that on video. So if you're sitting down with your team, like, all right, so what can we do? We have, well, in your case, Denise, let's say there's three of you on the Zoom. We say, all right, well, there's two of us here that'll get on video. (laughs) So, you know, what, 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 what can we come up with that'll be fun that we can play off each other's energies and get the message across? And something that I usually start with is I like to go into thinking about different movies. So a lot of times I'll ask my clients, what's your favorite movie? You know, um, let's start with you, Denise. What's your favorite movie?
1: Well, you just said failure is not an option. And I immediately went to Apollo 13, Apollo Apollo 11. I'm sorry. Tom Hanks, Apollo 11.
0: Okay. Is there a certain scene from that movie that you really like?
1: It's one of the rare movies that I'll watch over and over again, you know, multiple times a year. But I just love anything to do with NASA. Was it Apollo Uh 13? I think it's Apollo 13. Anyway, it's a Tom Hanks. You'd think I'd know it because I just watched it not too long ago. But when um, Gene Kranz, the fellow Gene Kranz's character says failure is not an option, I always get a little teary-eyed right about there.
0: And there's nothing wrong with that. What I would suggest then, now, granted, I don't remember. I remember seeing the movie, but I know that as far as the optics, those people put a lot of money into their set and whatnot. But just taking a scene like that from a movie and just recreating it and finding a way to tie it into what you're trying to sell. So a good example of that would be one of my clients. He does real estate, and he sells real estate uh, marketing to realtors. Um, He is a realtor. He understands um, the challenges they face, how much money they could be spending if they have so many different things versus just using him because he figured out all the solutions because he's tried everything. So I asked him the same question. He said, uh, a few good men. And I said, what scene? Of course, it was, you know, can you handle the truth situation? So mm-hmm. what we did was we, we basically took that scene, you know, they recreated in their own the same flow and we just kind of substituted it to an extent with his message versus the message of the movie. So that way it gave him somewhat of a character to play into. And you can do that with your team. Is there a favorite show or a favorite commercial that's out that you really like? Like, uh, you know, this same, same team, they just did something with a progressive commercial. They did their own version of that and the team shot it. And I don't even believe the owner was in it. Just finding something that you like and then finding a way to tie it into what you're already doing without, you know, wholly stealing their script, but just taking the format and using it for yourself. So if you had two team members and let's say the Apollo 13 worked out, or maybe they have an idea because you're not going to be in the video, so you'd probably want to encourage them more just for them to come up with an idea of, you know, what's something that you like that you've seen before that you wouldn't mind recreating. And then you see how you can marry in what your product or services and who you're selling it to into that vision, then have them shoot it. You don't need a whole bunch of different props. Um, of course, you want to have something there that kind of gets them in the, the mindset of what's going on, but you don't have to recreate the Apollo 13 set. Um, that will be too time-consuming, too costly. And by the time you do it, if it ever gets done, you know, probably be a year or two, right?
1: Yeah. Well, how, how about this? And I've been thinking about this because I do need to do something with video. Seriously, I mean, I've got a giant monitor on my desk. I'm looking at it right now. There's no camera on it. It's a gaming monitor. It's huge. No camera. I don't need one. But I've been thinking, <laughs> you know, maybe there's something I can do with with uh, PowerPoints and my own voice. So there's yeah, got to be a way be I perfect. can do something.
0: Exactly. And that's another good point. So. A lot of times when you see webinars, because a lot of there's a bunch of people doing short master classes and webinars. I do them too. Um, you don't have to be on, so that would be a perfect medium for you. Um, you do have the voice. I mean, I'll give you that. So why not just create oh, a PowerPoint, PowerPoint? I
1: keep and hearing just talk over people say, "Well, PowerPoint. you know, you've got a voice for radio. I have a face for radio. <laughs> I don't. I have. I can. I'm not ugly. Trust me. I'm just camera phobic. But." i've heard that a lot that i have a voice for radio so thank you i appreciate that
0: yeah that would be a good situation for you another thing that's along those lines and this goes for anybody in the audience too because getting your face on yeah that you know everybody has their reasons why you can do the presentation on powerpoint and record it or what you can do is you can just do a screen share Um, there's a tool called loom it's a free tool Um, i don't get any money for mentioning them but it's something that i like to use it's really easy Um, All you do is click a button once it's on your Google Chrome browser, and it'll record your screen, and then you can just copy the link and send it without someone having to download a video. So there's been times we've had clients who are scared to run video to just record their screen um, where it could be like right now on my computer. I'm just open on Google Chrome, so I could be shifting between tabs and walking people through. At that point, it's more realistic. It feels more like social media versus a staged uh, video. And you're just walking people through telling them your truths, Um, and, and they can see the screen, and you can just talk over that as well. And that comes with a lot less setup. For me, if I was showing somebody a campaign and I wanted to use that as an ad, I'd probably need three to five tabs to be able to flip through on my screen, record, shoot the video, download it, turn it into an ad.
1: Gotcha. So there is hope for people like me.
0: Yes, another thing that would be really great for you, Denise, and for people like yourself, um <clears throat> there's a, you know, Instagram cuz you're on Instagram. I just uh we started following each other. It's mm-hmm. stories. So, you have the phone with the camera on it. Uh, another way to get around that would be to record things around you without you being in it. Oh. You can do You can do that as well.
1: Hmm, that I can do. I mean, yeah. I I actually bought my you know, it was time to update my phone. And I went to a, a newer version of my iPhone and I really bought it for the camera and not for me. It's because I have feline office assistants and they're funny. They are, they're insane, but they're funny. <laughs> I take a lot of pictures of them. Okay. So we, we covered video, other, you know, using video to know, like, and trust. Overcoming the Fear of Pressing Record, we covered that a bit. So let's talk about talking specifically to your target audience because, you know, they're your warm market. First of all, how do you know who your target audience is? And then how do you speak to them?
0: Great questions. So the first thing, you know, when finding out who your target audience is, is thinking about who you have currently as customers. Now, if you're starting out brand new, you kind of have to make some decisions on who you'd like to work with. Um, but either way it boils down to whether you have existing customers, which is always the best way to start or you're looking for new, what age group do you think is going to be most responsive to the product or service? Um, because at the end of the day, you can't start anything until you know what you're selling. Now, let's take a uh, pressure washing for, for instance, or no, let's just go with real estate again because everybody understands okay. that easily. Yeah. If, uh, you know, a lot of realtors, you'll see them say, uh, I want sellers or buyers. And uh, if you think about that, a seller has totally different pain points and problems that they face than a buyer does. So I've been on both sides, of course. So as a buyer, the, especially the first time you're looking to buy, you're trying to even understand, can I even afford a house? It seems like a daunting task. What's the process like to go through to even qualify? Once I qualify, what happens next? When can I start looking for a house? What happens if I don't get approved You know, all these different things versus if you're talking to a seller, you know, they're looking to see if they can get the most money for their house. So one person, you know, more than likely, you know, the buyer's typically not in a house, and sometimes they are, but the seller's in a house trying to get out of a house. So how do you talk to both of them at the same time? You have to make a decision, right?
1: Well, Um, should you be talking to both of them at the same time? You're right. I mean, as a homeowner and a home seller, they're very different arenas,
0: Exactly. Exactly. And people take that same approach with their business. You can have, because each product or service, if you think about it, is created to solve a problem. So if you're solving a problem, but then you're talking to two different things, you could have two different audiences and you're putting it in one ad. That's like a, you know, radio's good, right? Um, but that's like blaring out a radio ad saying, you know, I'm a realtor and I can help you buy or sell your home. That's more appropriate for there, but If you're doing, like, social media marketing, the beauty of it is I can talk to sellers separately in a different video, or even if you didn't go video, just say I can run a different ad to sellers versus a different ad to buyers, and I can make sure when I'm talking to each, I'm talking about the things that are most important to them. So that way I can get them know and trust for them to set up a time with me so that I can eventually get the, the contract, whether it's to sell or whether it's to help them buy. But if you talked in the same instance on both, then it just kind of blends in as noise, unless you just, you know, catch people at the right time, which is a lot of it. But how are you separating yourself from all, everybody else? Because everybody else is combining their stuff together, hoping that because they're, they're too afraid not to mention that they sell or they're too afraid to not mention that they, they can help people buy versus just doing two separate campaigns and making sure that the right people are hearing the right message.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. You should separate that out because if you're mushing everything together, it's a mush. I mean, people are like, I heard part of that, but I didn't hear what really was appropriate for me. Okay, that was just confusing. I'm going to go find somebody who is... An expert at selling or an expert at buying or an expert who has a team, you know, people to stage the house, people to appraise the house, people to go, you know, tell me what's in the neighborhood. You know, you've got to really be specific about what you want people to take action on.
0: Very true. And that's why it's the most important thing to figure out before you target them because you have to figure out what you're selling so you know who to target um, and you can understand the problems. Uh, and I feel like there is a free workbook that um, you put on the site as well, free customer acquisition workbook. The very first step is what, you, what are you selling and who are you selling it to? You cannot skip that step and create an effective campaign. Now, granted, things can just happen because, you know, th- there's always a puncher's chance. But if you want to have an effective campaign, you don't skip that step. And, and sometimes when I've done that workbook live or even online with people, be surprised how long sometimes you stay on that one sheet trying to help people overcome that, which I don't mind because if that's a, you know, if we had an hour long class on that and that's all, as far as I got and I, and I helped you to cross that threshold, then, you know, I probably saved you a lot of time moving forward because you won't do what we were just talking about, which is try to say everything at once. Um, you know, if again, if you're doing radio and TV and, you know, you still don't technically have to do that, but I can understand why you would do that more. The social media marketing on, you know, these platforms like Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, they allow you to get a specific message out, not spend a ton of money, and then get another message out without spending a ton of money. And if you have more money to spend, you just spend more money. But like you said, you have to, you have to separate it. Understanding you your job is the biggest thing. And,
1: and that's exactly right. And listen, I, I know this firsthand because as a web developer, I'll, you know, ask a potential client always, this is always my first question, who is your audience? The answer is not everybody. I'm telling you right now, it's not everybody. You've got to define who you are, what you do, what you bring to the table, and who you're going to bring it to. And without that, I can't build your website. We have to figure that out. And same with video. Same with all of your social marketing. You've got to be very clear on who you're talking to and why you're talking to them.
0: Exactly. And sometimes you'll get pushback, even in your case. And like, well, you know, they, I, I feel like sometimes the the clients or potential clients feel that that work's not that important. So they want to breeze through it. But then if you, breeze, if you allow them to breeze through it, then shame on you as the person doing their work. Um, because if they don't get the results, they, they're not going to be happy but you know that you missed a fundamental step in your process. You know we are as we all know, when you run a campaign the first time, yeah, I've had some really big wins on turning on a campaign, and the first time it just knocks things out the park, but for the most part, and even the most successful marketers in the world tell you, the first time they launch something, even with all the data they have, doesn't always work. They have to go in there and make some tweaks. They find out where um, where I like to call it a leak process. It's like, is it the ad that's not converting? Are you not capturing their information? Is a follow-up not working and we're not converting? And finding out where those holes are so they can fix that hole. Uh, but a lot of times it's, it's not like Babe Ruth walking up to the plate every time you launch an ad. Um, it would be nice if it was, but it just doesn't work that way all the time. So you want to be as close as hitting the target the first time, and the best way to do that is to define this audience and make sure you understand. I think the hardest part is when you don't know who your audience is because, you you know, you're just starting out and you're not selling anything to try to define who you want. That part is a little nerve-wracking because how would you know? Um, that's when you got to look at your competitors and see who their audience is, what they do, and ask yourself, based on that, do, what do I like about it, what I don't like about it, and then, you know, use those uh, those aspects for what you do like and then find somebody else and just build it out that way.
1: And listen, somebody told me this, another one of those lessons, it's just kind of a handoff lesson, part of a conversation, but it really stuck with me. And I was talking to this marketer. She's a very, very famous, very exceptional coach. And she's on stages all the time, but she's a marketer par excellence. I mean, she really is a marketer. And she was telling me, she said, the most expensive mistake I ever made was I built this platform, I built this course, I built everything that had to go, it was beautiful, it was perfect. Nobody wanted it because she didn't know her audience was. She was in love with it. She still is. I don't know if she ever relaunched it, but it failed badly because she did not know who she was marketing it to. She said it was the biggest, most expensive mistake of her life.
0: Yeah, it can get pretty costly. Um, and there's a lot of people that will say, build it after you sell it. And that's a hard yeah, that's I a hate hard that. concept for people to crap. You know? Yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. That used to be the big thing about 10 years ago. Every marketer on the planet, big, big names was doing that. And we knew they were doing it, but, you know, they had such big names we would invest some of it worked, some of it didn't. But you know what? Most of those marketers are now—I don't know—driving trucks. They're not doing what Ooh. they were doing. Yeah, a lot of them are just gone because they, you know, they lost faith. Their audience lost faith. I, I'm going to say right now, don't do that. It's not a good idea. Yeah,
0: there's, when it comes to marketing, and this is where uh, the thought of going into marketing. Where I had to really sit long and hard to think about it because once I started thinking about actually doing it, I realized how many people are uh, out there, I guess, giving bad names to most marketers. Every marketer
1: mm-hmm.
0: isn't going to get you results. Every marketer is not truthful, just like in any other business. I guess the only difference is, is there's a lot on the line. Now, granted, if you give me $500 and I can't make something happen with it, I still have the same feeling as if you give me $10,000 and I can't make anything happen with it. That's just who I am, but everybody's everybody's not rolling like that. So for me, the reason why I chose the path of marketing that I did choose was because, again, integrity is everything to me. And even if I can't win for you, let's say that you paid me whatever you know the pricing was denise to do something for you if i can't get you wins and of course i'm updating you in the process and i know i did everything in my power and then as the partner in the situation you did everything in your power and it's not winning i you know i don't like it i don't like losing but i can live with that situation um knowing that we exhausted everything especially if i set the right expectations and i didn't just ghost you now does that happen you know um i would say There was one campaign years ago with a pest control campaign. That thing racked my brain, Um, and I couldn't get the guy results. But we were talking, like, consistently. It was like, you know, after three months, or it was two months, we were just like, you know what? I don't think I can get you the results I need to get you. Um, I got one more test I want to try. And if that doesn't work, you know, I can still run ads for you to keep your branding out there. But as far as conversions, I just – I just can't figure this out. And he was like, all right, well, I respect that. And I know that you've been trying everything. And that still sucks because that's a loss to this day. And of course there's other times where, you know, you run a campaign or an ad and it doesn't take off right away. You just have to make adjustments. But there's just a lot of people who just, you know, they get the money, they don't care. They turn it on. It works. It doesn't, it doesn't. And then they're just like, Oh, that's just marketing. And um, I just, I don't know. I, I can't sleep at night like that. That's why I'm really selective about the clients that I do bring on because even if I have project managers in place, like, which I do, if, you know, if we can't help you win, then I don't want to take your money. If we can help you win, then, yeah, it's a partnership. But if I know from a fact and I teach my team that to to, to be able to point out whether we can help someone win based on their situation, based on their mindset, based on the expectations that we're going to put forward, are you going to be able to do these things that we need you to do? Because if you don't do them, there's a good chance I can't help you win. But if you do them, I know I could help you win. So we're really – kind of really picking on who we we bring on because, you know, there's going to be failure. Like I said, it's, it's always an option, but our goal is to even like I said, with uh, the targeting, hit the target the first time and make sure that anybody who comes through my doors um, and allows me to work with them is winning. They didn't win before they left. I gave them enough data to show them what they needed to do in order to get to the next level.
1: And I find that admirable. I work the same way. I mean, if I can't really be of assistance to you and help you, I'm not going to take the job. I actually turn away more potential clients than I accept because I am not. I just can't take the money and hope for the best. I mean, that's just not, SEO. SEO is a big gripe for me. There are some people who are really, really good at it. But most people go, oh, you know, we've got Google Ads going on. We're good. No, you're not. There's a lot to it, and you better learn your craft before you start sucking people in. But that's, like I said, that's a, a big gripe. So let's. We've got about 15 minutes. What do you okay. say on video? I mean, I think that's. You know, everybody has a book in them, right? I'm going to deviate a little bit here, but everybody said, thinks they have a book in them. I know I do. You know what I've got so far? An epic what? blank. Page, I got nothing. And I suspect <laughs> it's in my head. I just can't get it through the keyboard. I will one day. I really will. But I have to make up my mind that I'm going to do so. But I suspect that you could translate that into what do I see on video? You know, you're walking through the house. You're doing dishes. You're talking to the dog. You're in the grocery store. You've got it. It's perfect. It's in your head. You get home. You hit that record button. You're like, Bleh. I can see it happening, <laughs> right?
0: Mhm. Yeah, that that that's common. I think for you know, with with the what to say on video part, it's of course you have to communicate a message. The big part. Hold on one second. I don't want to do this in the phone. Excuse me. All right. The biggest part is understanding the format in which to get people through your video. All right. So even before you record, the first thing is you know I like to call them three points. You got to understand you know, the prop and the environment and, of course, the music. So, again, if I'm a realtor, which I'm just using that as an example because it's the easiest one, if I'm in front of a house or a for, or for sale sign or that's just a prop, something that lets people know that I'm associated with houses, and that can work for any business that anybody's in. So that's the first thought that goes into what to say to record, where am I going to be? I mean, what's going to be there? And, of course, in that example I gave you, if I'm in front of a house, and I'm in front of us for sales time, and now I have the prop and the environment covered. And as far as the music, some people put music in their ads, some people don't. The biggest thing is just do decide to put music just to make sure that you grab copyright-free music. Um, and inside the playbook, there's a list of places where you can buy it. Um, there's some that you can download on YouTube that's copyright-free. But when you put music in a video, like if you watch a video on YouTube with that has music without the music it's a totally different experience than when you turn the music on so those are the three things i try to figure out firsthand and if you decide not to go with music cool but you definitely got to get the proper environment done the next part is the format on what to say because you whoever's shooting this video you're the expert right so we don't need anybody to tell you exactly what to say we just need to make sure that you're saying it in the right way to get people through the common mistake that most people make is Let's say I'm shooting a video now. Like, hey, my name is Gerard, and I do digital marketing, and, and no one cares about that. That's like three seconds right there. And what did I did I, did I say anything now to get these people nope. to want to nope. listen to me? You know, they're probably and already gone. Exactly. So that's the most common problem is getting on and talking about who you are. No one cares about who you are until you offer to solve the problem. So the first thing um, when it comes to what to say to record is, you know, what's your attention grab in one line. And what I like to kind of equate that to is what's the problem that you're going to solve? What's the thing that if they hear, you'll have their attention past that three-second mark? Right? So you start with the problem first. Um, And, again, if you're selling the property, like you said, you can talk to that problem versus the buyer's problem versus saying, I help buy and sell. Like, it doesn't work. So attention-grabbing one-liner part is to make a promise. So the promise is not necessarily a guarantee. You've got to be very careful with that. But you have to get them to understand that you can help them to solve their problem, right? So we mentioned the problem. Then you talk about the problem for a second. Maybe exaggerate the pain of what they're going through. Then after you do that, you make them an offer to, you know, that's the call to action, whether it's you want them to sign up to your master class or whether you want them to just give your information so you can help them in this realtor's case. So I can help you sell your property or I can help you buy your property. That's pretty much it. The goal is to keep these videos 60 seconds or less. And if you can do, and you can easily uh-huh. do that in that time.
1: Yeah. You know, I I just had a flashback. I don't watch TV. I cut off cable 10 or 11 years ago. And I'm really not, I never have been a TV person or even movies. I mean, I'm, my favorite movie, I can't remember the name of it. When I'm watching it, I know the dialogue. I've heard it that many times. But years ago, and I live in southwest Louisiana, You know, it's Cajun country, Cajun. So it's a different accent. And when I first came here, I would ask my husband, what language is that? And he would say, that's English. So, oh, no, it's not. It's a very thick, very thick accent. But there was this one commercial, and I'm sure this man has long since passed, but it was a tire company. And he was big and loud and brash, and he always wore a red jacket. And he got to the point immediately, he'd say, and he'd, he'd fling his arms out, he's in front of his rack of tires, and he would say, tires ain't pretty, but you gotta have them. Well, that Ooh. is stuck in my head forever forever. I mean, he nailed it, and nobody taught him that. He just knew what to do.
0: And that's that's a great attention-grabbing one-liner. I mean, you, like you said, that was years ago, and you still remember it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and his, his response versus another guy who's doing it another way, I think it's going to be markedly better unless the other guy just has the branding where he can kind of do whatever he wants, and he can spend that kind of money. But, yeah, it's simple. And I know that a lot of people overthink that part, well, You know, especially when you're doing something new. Is this right? Is this right? Is this right? right? Just do what feels natural to you. That's why you do the work in the beginning to understand, and I keep going back to this, what you're selling and who you're selling it to. You know, if I'm selling something to a seller, they don't need all these extravagant words. There's certain words and terminology that, you know, are going to be too high level for them, so you don't want to go there. just want to speak at their level, not necessarily saying that they're under you, but their understanding of the process is different, so you don't want to complicate it. You always want to have clarity and keep it simple. And sometimes trying to keep things simple when you're trying to do something for the first time, it feels like you're not doing enough, but you just do it. Like you said, something simple like that, and you put it out there, and you see what the response is. If the response doesn't work, you spend, you know, I would say you could spend $100 or less. Let's say 50 to $100 to kind of get an idea. Well, I put this out there. Did I get any leads? If I got some leads, all right, how much did it cost me for each one of these leads? All right. Did I get a sale? You know, in the case of a realtor, of course, the cycle for sales is a lot longer. But let's say that it was immediate. Did I get a sale? All right. So I spent one hundred dollars. I got ten leads. That ten dollars cost the lead. Out of those ten leads, one of them turned into a sale. That sale ended up bringing me, let's just say, two thousand dollars. So, you know, I spent $100 to make $2,000, and guess what? I still have nine other leads I can follow up with unless they told me, they told me to leave them the F alone. At that point, I probably won't follow up with them. But what if I can do that nine more times, which you're never going to be at 100%, but that's the whole process. So you don't have to spend a bunch of money testing this stuff out. You spend a little bit, just decide what that number is for you and then you compare it to the next one. So this video didn't work good. I'm gonna shoot another one and uh, I'm gonna come in with a different line similar to this guy in the red shirt and see if that works for me. Oh, well, this one's getting me leads at $5 a lead and I'm getting more sales. So maybe I should make more videos like that. Um, and that's I, I just try to keep it simple like that. Now there is a lot more advanced strategies, not necessarily the same with the video. I don't feel like you need to go there, but when it comes to actually putting it out there, trying to keep it as simple as possible, Um, especially if you're doing it by yourself, because there's three ways. To me, you either do it yourself, which depending on where you're at in your business and your budget, um, I feel like the best person to talk to your audience is going to be you, right? And if you don't have the budget, then you should probably take the time to learn at least a little bit. The second way is to pay someone like me. I'm not cheap, not the most expensive, but I'm definitely not cheap. Third is you do nothing and you keep being in the same situation trying to figure out where your next client's coming from. And how are you going to put yourself and your family in a better situation? That that way is old, and it gets tired, and you just run yourself down in that. Um, So I don't suggest that third method. Do one of the two.
1: I agree with you. And I like what you're saying about, you know, keep it simple. I belong firmly in the keep it simple, stupid camp of podcasting. I don't make it difficult for me or for you, and it's always worked. I like to say keep it Homer Simpson simple. Look, we That's all may simple. have degrees, <laughs> yep, but it works. And you know why it works? This is just my opinion. But my opinion is because people don't have time to sort through verbiage. They don't have time to think, what did he just say? You've got to get them, like, tires ain't hurty, but you've got to have them. That's about as, That's as, a simple, as simple as it can You know, as simple as it comes. But it works. People need to, you need to get their attention. You need to keep it simple. Keep it in short bursts of words and don't overcomplicate things.
0: One more tip I want to give real quick on that would be this is another technique that's in the book. It's called data mining. And basically what that means is um, using the realtor example again, I can go on, let's say, uh, Yelp maybe or Zillow or just Google Reviews. And I can look for realtors and then what I can do is I can look at the five star reviews, maybe look at three to five, see what the people's feedback are. Cause there's going to be same, there's going to be some of the same words they use. Like let's just say, for example, knowledgeable on time, you know, made me feel good, right? And then you look at the one star comments and they're like never showed up was late. So now you know what the hot buttons are and what the hate buttons are. So when you do your video, you don't, you know, that's, that's your ideal client already talking. So why not use the simplification of what they're saying to your advantage because more people understand that. That's why, you know, you're seeing the common uh, words showing up in the reviews. So that allows you to keep it simple and get out of your own head.
1: Good point. And Google My Business right now is a big deal. More and more businesses are saying, oh, you know, I'm on Google, kind of. My map, you know, my business shows up on the map. But now there's, they're realizing that that's a very good place for marketing. So you're going to see more and more of these reviews. I think it's a great place to go. Find your competitors, see what their clients are saying about them, and go, hmm, I like that, or ooh, ow, he needs to do a better job. So, yeah, great points. Okay, so the next thing, we've got about this is going quick, Got about four minutes it left. It is. <laughs> it always does. It's a conversation. So delivering retargeting video ads based on prior engagement. Let's cover that really quick. Well, not really quickly. We've got four minutes. You go as long as you need to because if we stop streaming, we'll still be recording. Nobody is going to lose anything.
0: Okay, I can, you know, cover it fairly fairly simple. So first of all, retargeting is basically finding someone who took some action and then getting back in front of them. So a lot of times, let's say if you look for a pair of shoes or a new computer on Best Buy or you'll go to Facebook or you'll go to another site and you'll see that information show up. Um, so if anybody's on the site right now where the podcast is, I'm looking at your site now, Denise, and one of the, um, the ads that I clicked on before is showing up as a banner on the bottom and on the side because they're retargeting me. So retargeting is powerful because, know that old adage it takes seven to however many times for people to notice you doesn't always uh, take that many times sometimes it's less than times it's more but one of the things is you always want to have a system in place that's doing the follow-up for you because if I had to follow up with every person who was interested manually man that'd be a lot of work right so the ad um, allows you to set that up so let's go back to the example with the with the video if someone watched the whole video let's say the video was a minute long there's a good chance that they were either one entertained two you talked to their problem or you know all of the above or they were bored or they just left their phone on and then forgot to scroll that's always a a possibility but it's the less likely option so at that point if someone's watching that much of your video or even 50 percent of it there's a way to turn on retargeting ads based on the fact that they watched a small percentage so at that point you can now let's say that um those 10, you know, uh, let's see, there was 100 people that saw the ad, let's say 10 of them watched past the 50% mark. So now I can say, hey, Facebook or Instagram or whatever, I just want these 10 people who watched past 50% to see the next ad, whether it's a picture, whether it's a video. Um, and in those videos, I like to even get creative because I know that you watched 50%. So I could say, hey, you know, you were watching my last video. You, you, you almost watched the whole video, but, you, you know, you didn't, you know. You didn't hit me up. What's going on? I'm, I'm here to help you. And, you know, just click the link below and give me your information. And we can set something up if that was the play. And at that point, what it does is if someone stops long enough to see it, they start asking questions. First of all, how the heck did he even know? I watched the videos. How the heck did he talking <laughs> to me directly? It and then once you people. do that, it does. But when people start asking questions, they always have to answer them. And even then, it gives you more space in their head. Right, And if you're really out there to serve the people, then it's better you be in their head to help them solve the problem than somebody else. Um, you can do that, these kind of retargeting ads based off of people just going to your website. If someone goes to your website, you can, like, I, I used to have it set up online where if someone went to my website and started looking around, they would automatically start seeing all these different videos from me about the playbook that I told you guys that you can have to kind of let them know, like, hey, this is what I do. And like, damn, I was just on his website. How the heck did he know I was there? Now he's showing me all his stuff. So it's just a good way to stay in in front of people based on the actions that they took prior. And it's a good way to stay in front of them so that you can eventually get the sale made. Because some of the biggest purchases I've ever made, I remember the first marketing program I joined, I was following these people for six, seven months before I was able to spend the money. And if they weren't retargeting me, I probably still would have did it because I was that determined, but things come up in life. And if you're not staying in front of the people who show that they were interested, then you're leaving money on the table.
1: I agree. Listen, we are, thank you. I mean, we made it. We're still here. Gerard, where can people find you?
0: Oh, all right. Well, the easiest way to find me would be on Instagram, um, Gerard, J-E-R-A-U-D underscore, G-A-V-E, that's on Instagram, and really quick, GAVE. It's GAVE. It stands for Gratitude, Appreciation, Visualization Every Day. That's what I live my life by, created that because of my son. Um, he needs everything to me. Um, you can find me on Instagram, um, or you can go to our website, uh, Gerard at GerardMarketing.com, and um, those would be the best places to find me. Um, We do have the customer acquisition book that you guys can get for free here, but if you're interested in possibly working with me and learning more about how we can help you guys, then just shoot us an email, um, gerard at gerardmarketing.com, and if I can help you, I'll tell you the truth, and if I can't, I'll tell you that as well.
1: I believe you. Give us the link for the free customer acquisition playbook. It's in my show notes, but let's face it, not everybody goes to show notes. Very few people do. They're going to hit Apple or their favorite podcast, you know, section, platform. And they're going to be listening to you in the car, at the gym, you know, walking the dog. So a lot of these links are just not going to show up. So share that before you go.
0: No problem. It's uh, GerardMarketing.com backslash secret playbook. Thank you. That's where you get the free playbook for
1: Yeah, I, I already downloaded it. I downloaded it over the weekend. I was like, ooh, let me go see what he's talking about here. Gerard, thank you so much for being my guest here. It's been wonderful speaking with you, and I thank you for all of the terrific tips and the advice that you've shared with our audience. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us on iTunes. Prime, Audible, we are everywhere. Literally, I'm proud to say that you can't throw a stick on the Internet without hitting your partner in Success Radio and all of my absolutely amazing guests. Just look for your partner in Success Radio and take us along on your success journey. Gerard, thank you again.
0: Thanks for having me. Get your voice heard if you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast. Contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.